welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Um, I want to share with you something that can really bless you uh, and trust that you take a few notes because uh, let's just start by looking at a powerful scripture. You may have read this before or seen this and we'll have some scriptures come up on the screen if you um, uh, don't want to flick around and find them. Uh, No, that was what we read over the communion. Uh, over the uh, dedication. The one I want to look at is Psalm 16, verse 11. And uh, it says, You will show me, Lord, the path of life or the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. I want to read it from the New King James Version. And it says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Everyone say fullness of joy. Wouldn't we like to have fullness of joy? And then it says, in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What a great promise. What an incredible invitation for us all. A great passage. Of course, we would all like to have pleasure forevermore and joy. And of course, right there we're told, it's waiting for us in God's presence. So what does that look like? How can we enter into God's presence? That's what I want to think about this morning. And of course, you know, does that just mean in a church service on a Sunday when the music's just at that sweet point of a lovely worship song or when you crank up that worship song, your favourite one, in your car or you just get in Bethany's car because she's always got worship music blaring away of some kind or just walk into the house and know that Bethany's home because the worship music's on all the time. Uh, Is it just a song that stirs us into God's presence or is it maybe that time you remember that particular prayer meeting when you felt the tingles and people were all crying out to God together. Surely God wants us to have a sense of his presence more regularly than just very occasionally. Surely there's a, a way for us to find him, to, to understand and experience his presence. Or is it perhaps that we are always in his presence, but we're just not aware of it? So is there something we can do then to become more aware of his presence? Are there decisions that we can make or particular activities or behaviours or something that we can do so that we can experience his presence? Well, I'm going to give you five because there are things we can do. And as I said, I think this will radically change your life for the better if you can attend to these things. And you'll be, no, you'll be glad to know that each of the five points for your added convenience and pleasure all start with the letter P. So the first one is prayer. Obviously. But notice, if you look on the screen there, we're talking about a prayer of repentance. Because this is a private, honest, real, open, before God kind of prayer that is grounded on real honesty and humility. Because anyone can pray a rote prayer. Anyone anyone can just throw up a a short prayer, a perfunctory prayer. But that's not going to really help you experience God's presence. You can pray a rushed prayer desperate, oh God bless me as you race out the front door, 
help me get me through the day kind of prayer. And we've all prayed those, those kinds of prayers, but that's not going to really cut it in this sense of experiencing his presence. You're not going to necessarily walk in the fullness of joy that that passage talked about throughout the day if that's the only prayer that ever comes out. Or you can pray prayers of complaint. This is the only prayer that some people have. It's just a sort of a whinge towards heaven, <laughs> sort of desperate request for immediate assistance. Just help God now. You know. And again, that's really not going to take you into the throne room of God. But then there's a prayer that seeks God that has a very humble, honest heart. Ruth was talking about this over communion. A real awareness of failings and faults and sin before God, but then doing something about it and to repent which is not some heavy, weird, religious kind of deal. It, it, repent just means to turn around, to change your direction. So instead of going away from God, we go back towards God. And when we do that, we find that he's there to forgive us. But it starts with recognising and confessing sin. Look at what the psalmist said in Psalm 66. Uh, it says, come and hear... All you who fear God, and I'll declare what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth. He was extolled with my tongue. But look at this. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But certainly he has heard me. He's attended to the voice of my prayer. So the psalmist there recognises there's this barrier that is created by sin. But he also recognises that God will hear his cry because he's crying out with a real, honest, raw, repentant heart. And so, and then we see this right throughout the Bible. Uh, look at um, a well-known passage from 1 John. And he says this, you may know this verse, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in me, or the not, not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that awesome? And Ruth was saying before, you know, about the, the seared conscience. If we just continue in sin, then we can end up trying to convince ourselves, oh, I know, it's not my fault, it's never my fault, it's not my deal, it's somebody else's problem, it's only my, you know. And then, so we're deceiving ourselves, you're kidding ourselves, we're missing out on the truth. Truth's a good thing, even if it's a little painful to admit something. But of course, then if we do admit our sins, we confess our sins, <gasps> we turn to God, we don't find that he's angry. He's not like, oh, you know, and crush us with guilt or punishment. He cleanses us. He forgives us. And so if you feel a bond, uh, you know, a, a, a barrier or a, a blockage between you and God, this is usually the issue. You know, as people say, you know, if... Um, if, if God seems far away, guess who's moved? It's not him. He's still there. It's usually us walking away. And he's just like the loving father in that wonderful story we read in Luke 15. We won't unpack it today. But, you know, the story of the lost son, the prodigal son. And he comes back. And what is the father doing but watching, waiting with loving open arms to say, I forgive you, let the party begin. Isn't that amazing? That is God's heart towards us. Um, and of course, this is the, the initial prayer that brings us into the kingdom of God, that takes us from being in a dark place, dying in our sin and selfish, sinful ways, and then being born again, brought into the family of God. But it's also a prayer that we need to come back to. 
that even as Christians, you can have a sense of, oh, where, where is God? Like I said, he seems like a long way away. Well, this is the kind of prayer that just needs to be continually, um, uh, you know, bringing us back in a place of consecration before the Lord. It's not a reminder of our sinful selves. I'm not talking about getting out the whip and sleeping with the hair shirt or doing some ascetic, weird, you know, self-abasing kind of lifestyle. It's just a confession of sin, honest heart before God, and it requires solitude and time. So this is a sort of a private thing that you need to make the time for to ah, be before the Lord and, and just get your heart right and really... Behold his face, as the Bible says, to seek the Lord. The Bible says, seek the Lord. So he can be found. And when we find him, we are honest before him. We, we hold nothing back and say, God, here I am. And I, oh, this is the way I am. You know? And he is loving and, and gracious and wonderful. Isn't that awesome? And so we don't rush around all the time. We just take some time. Oh, and it's not long before in this kind of prayer, this kind of position before God, you will experience his presence, a sense of his touch on your life. Second thing we can do is to read the Bible. But particularly, I'm talking here about proclamation of the Scriptures. This is reading out loud because, well, prayer and reading the Bible, they're two of the most you know, fundamental uh, foundational disciplines of the Christian life. And, so, and it's easy to neglect either or both of them. And it's, it's, it's amazing how quickly we can lose our peace and lose a sense of God's presence and joy if we're not reading the Bible, we're not praying. It's also amazing how often I've spoken to Christians who are stressed and anxious and worried and hurt and upset about things. And then when you ask them, so what are you reading in the Bible? Oh. I don't have time to read the Bible. I'm too like, well, what are you praying about? What's God saying? I, I'm too upset to pray. And that they can't see the connection between their upset and their lack of attendance to prayer and the scriptures. But there's a great, strong, clear connection there. But not only should we be reading the Bible, studying the Bible, memorizing the Bible, we need to proclaim it. We need to speak it out loud. And, um, and because, you know, our words have creative power. We, you know, we're made in the image of God. He created the whole universe with his words. And so you see this all the time, people self-fulfilling prophecies for the words that they speak. And so we've got to choose the words that we speak carefully. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so choose life, choose the word of God. The words that Jesus spoke are life. And so we have the opportunity to proclaim that life and those truths and God's directions into our lives. Look at um, Romans ten seventeen. You know, uh, it says here, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when you, when you speak out God's word, they, they, well, it's gonna, it produces things. It produces power. It produces a sense of his presence. And also here, it produces faith in us. And, you know, you may know that in the New Testament, there's two different Greek words used for the one word, word in English. And so the, the word logos used in the New Testament meant a written word or an explanation of something. And from that word, we get the word logic or the suffix ology for, uh, you know, areas of study like biology or theology. 
And so there's the written word of God. But then there's also this other Greek word, rima or rhema. And, uh, and that, that refers to the spoken word of God, where the word becomes alive. And in this passage in Romans, that's the word used there. Hearing comes by the rhema, the spoken word of God. Faith, I should say, faith comes by hearing. In fact, you know, you can break that down. You can say faith comes by hearing anything in the sense that you can believe anything if you hear it often enough. That's how propaganda works. You can lean into just a certain you know, voice or message or, uh, you know, pool of information that's bombarding you. That's why you've got to be discerning with the, the, the media and what we are reading and, you know, how much is opinion, how much is reporting facts, fake news, as Mr. Trump would say. Um, and then there's the Word of God, which is full of truth. And so if we're hearing the Word of God, we will have faith in God. We will be, it'll lift your spirit and you can experience this. You wonder, oh, where's God? And you start absorbing, you start reading, you start hearing the rhema, spoken word of God. What do you know? This makes sense. I didn't understand this before. You may not fully understand it, sometimes even in your mind, but you sense God's presence. You experience a, a closeness to God because you're hearing his word speak to you, just like when you're talking to someone, you know, even... When you're away, it's one thing to send a text or an email, but you hear the voice. Remember back in the day and you had to, you know, call STD and time the calls. Or if you're overseas, you had to book an international call. <laughs> in the early 90s, we had to book calls from Russia to Australia. And you'd ring the, the phone uh, government department in Russia and you'd have to request to speak to someone in English, which was a big deal, and then you'd finally get someone... And then you'd say, I'd like to make a call to Australia. And then they would give you the time. They would allocate a time. And it was never in the daytime. For some reason, the reason is obvious. They just like to mess with you. But it was always in the middle of the night. Your time will be 2 a.m. Thursday. But better beep, beep, beep. Oh, great. Sure enough, the phone would ring. Not 2 a.m. You'd be waking up at 2 a.m. waiting. But it'd be more like 10 past, quarter past, you know. And there's the phone. Oh, hello. And then you talk to the family. Oh can hear their voice you know and so yeah you know you hear someone's voice you you connect you feel like you're with them in their presence so to speak and that's our faith rising up hearing the word of God yeah and feeling close to him and so you can you can heighten your awareness of God and his ways by hearing that word proclaiming that word that's why it's good to memorize scripture and then you just have it there to speak it out in that challenging situation. You haven't got time to go and find a Bible or a concordance, but bang, there's the promise of God. You just speak that into that situation and it can build your faith when you do and it'll bring to mind the, the principles of the Word of God, the commandments, the truths, the, the, the ways that he's provided for us to make good decisions in life and it's there on the tip of your tongue and you can speak it out. And, of course, there's words of healing and comfort that we have for other people that can change and bless their life. And you've probably heard, I haven't got time, it's Ruth's story anyway about how she, you know, um, just quoted scripture to uh, the young man out in the, the bush years and years ago. And uh, Nazir ended up getting born again just because of the power of the word of God quoted. And you may have experienced that. Who's the evangelist? Maybe is it R.A. Torrey or 
Ian, no, it was R.A. Torrey, I think, this guy. He wrote a book on evangelism. And basically, chapter after chapter, he's just full of scripture saying, if you read this situation, remember this and tell them that passage. And if you talk to someone who's in that scenario, read that part of the Bible. And if you meet this and pray this into this, and he's just, it's all scripture. And that was his evangelistic method, basically. Billy Graham, one of the greatest evangelists ever in the history of the world. What did he used to say? The Bible says. That was his thing. He would always start with, the Bible says, and that was his, that's the authority. People would say, yeah, well, what do you, well, the Bible says, that's, you know, that's all you need to know, and, and, and preached on the basis of that. And so how many times, boy, you find, um, you know, you're challenged, you're in a time of stress, and then you just think, hang on a minute, God's going to work this for good. I'm created in the image of God. I'm more than a conqueror. He used, you know, greater is he that living in me than he that's in the world. I'm his workmanship. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. And all those things I've said in the last 30 seconds, all straight from the Bible. You pray that and proclaim that over your life. And that's why it's very exciting that we're doing this proclamation of the word. I mean, you could have a, I don't know, poetry festival, cool, you know. Amy, you should organise that one day. You'd be great. And that, it's all great, you know. There's nothing like the Word of God proclaimed and read out over our community, over our lives, over our children, over our nation as a powerful prophetic declaration. And that brings us into God's presence. The third thing is praise and worship. Obviously, this is using the power of music because there's no wonder uh, that we feel close to God in a church service. Apart from the, I know, incredible preaching that draws you closer to God. But the, the, the music, yeah, the, 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 the music stirs the soul. And we have songs of praise and worship that we sing, we connect with, and it turns our heart towards him, shifts our attention from ourselves to the Lord and, and lifts our spirit, opens us up. There's a door that, that takes us into heaven. In fact, Look at, the Bible, look at Psalm 100. Uh, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him, how? Singing with joy. Come before him, singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is good. He made us, we're his, we're his people, sheep of his pasture. Look at that, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. That's how we are told to approach the Lord. That's how, that what, that's what brings us into his presence. And, you know, David wrote many other Psalms like this. This is a guy who knew a, two a, thing, a thing or two, uh, you know, about uh, just a modern way of saying it. Young people are telling me, speak, say like that. Like Ruth's having to ask Hudson. He might write on WhatsApp something and Ruth's going, what does that mean? It's like some, you know, new term. Like years ago, you know, sick became cool and wicked became good, and you just think, Where, what's going on? Um, anyway, I'm saying something good about David, who knew a thing or two about uh, coming before the Lord, worshiping God, not just in the good times, but in the tough times. This is the power of praise in the tough times. Look at this psalm. He wrote this when the king, Saul, was trying to kill him. Psalm 59. David says, As for me, 
verse 16, I will sing about your power. Each morning I will sing with joy about your unfailing love. Now, the king, with all his authority, was out to get this guy, to kill him, wipe him out. And he's singing with joy about God's unfailing love. For you've been my refuge, a place of safety when I'm in distress. Oh, my strength, to you I sing praises. For you, O oh God, are my refuge, the God who shows me unfailing love. So here's David disciplining himself. He's not just singing a song of lament or distress, reflecting on his terrible circumstances. No, he's turning those circumstances around by a song of praise. And he's singing about how good God is in spite of beyond all the current dramas and scenarios. We can learn from that, can't we? And in fact, because look, the song leader, let's face it, you come to church, the song leader says, come on, lift your hands. And I know because I'm Australian too, that there's a little convict voice in there that says, I was going to lift my hands, but now I'm not going to, because you told me to lift my hands, right? And uh, come on, admit it. Or you come in, you know, and they say, come on, sing it out, sing it out. And you go, well, I was going to sing it out, but now I'm going to sit and stand here with my arms folded, because you, tell, you don't tell me what to do. And, you know, and sometimes you feel... Okay, maybe, maybe some people aren't as rebellious. Maybe you've got such a sweet spirit that you return stolen rubber balls, you know, and, and that's cool, right? But then there's the rest of us, like I said, who admit our convict heritage and, um, and, and you know, something recoils. Or maybe it's not a stubborn, rebellious streak. Maybe it's just that you are feeling down and you don't feel like worshipping God. And you just think, well, I don't, you know, and they go, come on! And they're also happy and jumping around. Oh, make me sick. You want to get, you know, and they and 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 you're feeling like oh, and 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 so here's the dynamic. You know, we don't feel like it. So what do we do? Do we let our feelings keep us where we are at? And God's presence seems so far away from us, and we're just lost in our, you know, darkness and our despondency and our depression. Or do we actually tell our emotions? where they should go? Do we provide some leadership from our spirit? Do we actually listen like the psalmist often says, oh God, David did write songs of lament and, and talked about his broken heart and how they're trying to kill him and all that. But he would often then say, yet I will praise the Lord. Come on, I will. And that's exactly, look at this scripture. I don't know if you've got it up there. Isaiah 54 verse 1, sing, O barren one. You haven't born any children, but break forth into singing and cry aloud because you've not, you have not, have not been in labour, but the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of the one who's married. Sing. And you think, yeah, well, I feel pretty barren and the Lord tells me to sing? Really? I've got nothing to sing about. Well, that's a song of faith. That's a song of praise. That's a song that takes you into his presence. And so I think we can all learn from that. Now, of course, if you're musical, of course, you can just sing anywhere and you sound great. You might be a you know, musician and you can just get out that guitar or get on the keys at home and it's beautiful and all that. But if you're not musical, let everyone else suffer. It's okay. You can still sing. Just crank up that music loud enough. You don't even have to hear your own voice. If you turn up loud enough, that's great. Or just sing in the shower and just 
let other people cope. Buy them earplugs, you know, and just, just walk around with the earplugs. For, here, free earplugs. I'm worshipping the Lord. I'm singing, oh, you know, and, uh, and it can do you good. I know what I'm talking about because I'm one of those that isn't that musical and, uh, and yet I love the power of using songs the right way. And so you're going, you know, throughout your day, not just, uh, but you're like, come on. I jumped out of that grave, you know, and you're jumping around like Jono and, you know, and, you, and, and, and people think, what is going on there? But in your head, in your heart, you can hear the good music, <laughs> you know. And like I said, there's so much good music you can download now and put it on your phone and play it in your, in your car. And so, uh, come on, we use the power of praise, yeah. The fourth thing is to pray again, but this one's praying in the spirit. This is not the prayer that I mentioned before. This is a prayer that we can just pray throughout the day. You know, it says in um, 1 Thessalonians, I think it's chapter 5, pray without ceasing. Of course, that doesn't mean you're walking around, your eyes closed, bashing into things, having this intense prayer where you don't talk to people. Of course, we're interacting with people, but there's this continual communion with God through prayer. Just a a praying from your spirit. And of course, this is... um, having a prayerful attitude, and one of the best ways is to employ the spiritual gift of tongues, which is a big subject in itself, and we can talk to people afterwards and pray for you uh, if that's something that you've not experienced or understood. Uh, But of course, we have our natural mind, our natural understanding, but then there's something deep in our spirit that goes beyond what we can always articulate in our natural language. Groans, the Bible talks about groans from the Spirit. And in fact, look at this passage from 1 Corinthians 14. And you may know that 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14 talks a lot about spiritual gifts. He says here, pursue love, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Sorry, speaks not to men but to God. No one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. And so, um, and then it says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. If you read on, it says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up or edifies himself. The one who prophesies builds up the church. And so there's prophes- two gifts mentioned there. Prophecy, where someone will share a message that God's given them and it will build and bless people and a message that's articulated in the the language that people understand, and that's cool. And, uh, and then there's this other gift mentioned here, the gift of tongues, where they're praying mysteries in the spirit, a spiritual, heavenly kind of language that God gives us, and we don't always understand it, but it's edifying or blessing or building us up on the inside. And so you have perhaps experienced this, and again, it creates an awareness of the Lord. It shifts you closer to him. Kenneth Hagin used to say when he went in to pray, he would spend the first 30 minutes just praying in tongues, just to get, get his spirit connected with God, just settling, just getting things for, that are weighing on his mind, just put, putting them to the back and just getting his spirit in, in the zone. Well, even if you don't have 30 minutes, and then he would go and pray for other things that he could figure out and work out and use English language for or whatever. But I find that, yeah, I can pray in the spirit just to worship, pray just to stay connected to him, pray, uh, you know, 
it's easy if you're in the church office where I work or in the home, you just got to remember where you are. A little situational awareness helps though because sometimes it can be a little bit funky like praying and worshipping the Lord. I'm out with some dirt bike guys the other day. We stop. It's this beautiful scenario and I'm like, praise God, shakamba, you know, and then, and then the guy says, oh, hello, you know, and you forget sometimes you're with other people, you know, and so you just got to be careful a little. But, you know, there's times when you're going in a time of challenge and difficulty, you pray quietly, just, oh, God, you're just connecting and, and stepping wherever you're going. You're, you're in his presence, you're bringing his presence with you just before that job interview. Maybe not in the middle of the job interview, you know, praying. Can we just hold on? Oh, okay, and then, you know, that you may not get the job. But, you know, you've got some emotional, stressful scenario going on. Or you get the winter gas bill. Anyone? Anyone? You think it's an offer on the house? Does anyone have that? Oh, that will do your prayer language good. And so... You don't just talk about the problem, you talk to the problem and you talk with the power of prayerful spiritual language, yeah? And it can calm your spirit and bring God's presence into your life. So much more to be said about that. The last one, the fifth thing that can really help you get and experience the presence of God is people, the right people, proximity with his people. Because... If you're in the presence of godly people, you will find yourself in the presence of God. And that's just not a quip. That's not just a little catchphrase. That's a promise from Jesus. Because look what he said, Matthew 18, 20. Two or three are gathered together in my name. I will be there in their midst. I will be right there among them. How cool is that? That's Jesus speaking. That's a promise. That's a spiritual reality. We're in the presence of God right here. You don't need that many people. So if you're ever wondering, oh, where can I go to find Jesus? Well, that's easy. Just hang out with his people. And that's why the Bible says don't forsake the meeting together, encouraging church gatherings on a regular basis and other smaller gatherings and just getting around good godly people because we are not called to be isolationists with our faith. Of course, we have to have a personal, private walk with God, but that is encouraged and enhanced and stimulated when you're around other people doing the same thing. And this is just observable in our society. Obviously, we have this thing called, uh, you know, social osmosis, where you just become like the people you hang out with. And you see that. It's hilarious. You see someone who knew nothing about a particular sport or pastime or activity, and then they make friends with someone who's mad keen into quilting, you know, bird watching, train spotting, you name it. And the next thing, they're starting to talk the jargon. They're into it. They're getting into the lingo. They're buying all the stuff. They're, and they're, you know, buying the T-shirt and getting in. And, and so they're in this world because they've been hanging out with someone who is so enthusiastic about some crazy or interesting, you know, pastime. It's rubbing off on others. And that's great. So it makes life interesting. But all the better when we have that rubbing off on us from godly people, helping us, stirring us, encouraging us about the Lord. You know, we did the Superheroes Day a few weeks ago. That was awesome. And I preached a little message because all the kids are in here. So I couldn't talk for long. Talked about Jesus, of course, being number one superhero. What I didn't get a chance to say, and I'll read the scripture now, back to the first psalm that we started at earlier, Psalm 16. We read Psalm, verse 11. But verse 3 of Psalm 16 says, 
in the NLT, the godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. And I didn't have a chance to weave that in, but, you know, there's a whole point there about superheroes and, you know, godly people should be our heroes after Jesus' number one superhero. And so these are people worth admiring. They're in our lives. They're worth connecting with, being influenced by, yeah? And so, all right. So there, there you go. Um, that'll do you. So much more to be said, but I just trust that those points will be helpful because there's something that we can do. Listen, God wants us to be responsible people, yeah? Responsible Christians, not just fatalistic. Oh, God seems so far away and, oh, I don't know, there's nothing I can do. God's sovereign, so I guess he might. No, no, no. There are, there are things, decisions we can make to come towards God, yeah? To draw near to him. And he will draw near to us and experience his fullness of joy in his presence. Amen? Come on, let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.